Chapter One, Part One of Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book Five, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Philip Edward Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One that human affairs are not according to the unlearned surmises of the greeks subject as of necessity to the hours but that of our own choice we advance both to good and to the contrary and that we are directed by the will of god thirty the jews therefore were seeking to take him and no man laid a hand on him because his hour was not yet come the pharisees cut with his reproaches and perceiving that their silence in those matters was not without damage to their own stubbornness and was of benefit to the multitudes for they were being persuaded of the duty of at length acknowledging that he is christ are carried along unto their wonted presumption and again thirst for his blood for thrusting aside reverence for the law as most unserviceable to them and taking no account of what is contained in the sacred writings and deeming not worthy of remembrance the command the innocent and righteous slay thou not they are sick of a most unrighteous madness against christ but by the divine might the result of their devices is turned to the utter contrary for the deceitful man shall not attain his prey as it is written for they seek to take him, as the evangelist saith, as though they had kept a voluntary and self-imposed silence at his rebukes, and would repel by their after-wrath all appearance of having been kept back by him. For this some of them of Jerusalem had accepted as a proof that Jesus is by nature God, saying, lo he speaketh boldly and they say nothing unto him do the rulers know indeed that he is the christ but he who taketh the wise in their own craftiness rendereth their daring most useless to them who thus schemed and confirmeth to the multitudes what had been bruited in secret by way of consideration and conjecture for they are repressed by a god-befitting operation which putteth a bridle upon their unholy deeds and permitteth their designs to stretch forth but to attempts for profitably did the most wise evangelists put forward the reason of their being unable to carry through their proposed design to its fulfilment for he says his hour was not yet come here he evidently calls our the time that is to say of his passion and of the precious cross to whom then will it not be evident by this also that christ would not have suffered at all if he had put away the will to suffer for not by the violence of the jews but of his own will did he come to the cross for our sakes and on account of us wherefore also he saith averting the reproach of seeming powerlessness no man taketh my life from me i lay it down of myself i have power to lay it down and again i have power to take it for as we have already before said he bare no unwilling cross for us for he hath offered himself as a holy sacrifice to god the father purchasing the salvation of all men by his own blood wherefore he also said in the gospel preachings 
for their sakes do i sanctify myself but sanctify he here says for offer and consecrate for that which is offered in sacrifice to god is holy but that he accepted being the sacrifice for all free from all violence from any we shall know when we hear him saying in the psalms to god the father sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body preparest thou me in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou tookest no pleasure then i said lo i come in the chapter of the book it is written of me to do thy will o god seest thou how of his own accord he comes unto his passion for all for he says lo i come not i am taken by compulsion by another he escapes then from the present violence of the rulers reserving his passion for its appointed time and using a most god-befitting boldness in all things i suppose then that this will suffice for the elucidation of the present passage but since it is probable that some of the initiated on hearing the words his hour had not yet come may be carried away out of too great levity unto the mad folly of the greeks so as unreasonably to suppose that the affairs of man are subject to hours and days and seasons i deem it necessary to say a little on this subject since our aim is by every thought zealously to provide what is profitable to our readers to the children of the church then who are brought up on the holy scriptures i suppose that will suffice for the refutation of the wiles of the greeks and for the satisfactory casting off of the uncounsel hence arising which is said by way of accusation or wise rebuke by paul himself to some who were thus minded ye are observing days and months and times and years i am afraid of you lest i have toiled for you in vain and indeed apart from all subtlety of argument it is manifest that he which is involved in such folly will both destroy his own soul and be found to dishonour the maker of us all to whom alone wise and well-tutored reason attributes the helm of our affairs but they who are minded unrightly to observe those things will overturn the order of providence and believe that the lord of all things is no longer dispenser of our affairs but will commit to times and seasons the government over all things setting the creation over its maker and despoiling of fairest attributes him to whom is due all honour and glory and worship bestowing on the creature what is above it and imparting to things made that wherewith they ought to crown the creator nor will their evil deeds stop there but will advance to something yet heavier for they will openly reproach god lover of good and will say that he the enemy of all sin is himself the worker of evil deeds for if by him have been made time and hour and day and year and these bring certain of necessity and violence unto sometimes unpurposed wickedness and cause them to fall into the misfortunes consequent thereupon how does not what we say show itself to be true and what then becomes of what is said by the all-wise moses and god saw he says 
everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But time is one of the everything, and in time are both hour and day and year. But if we call that the introducing of evil, which the eye of the divine nature saw to be good, shall we not be confessing outright that the Lord of all is found to be the creator of things most base? I think, then, that those who are involved in the offences just mentioned will at length blush, but since it is probable that some have chosen not only not to resist the uncounsels of the Greeks, but even to defend them, come, let us consider the absurdity inherent in their doctrine in another light also, and, heaping up profitable arguments as auxiliaries, let us lead out the truth against their abominations. For if according to you, sirs, at the, so to say, forcible invitation of time, and on the compulsion of the hour, we are drawn to aught good or the contrary, as it may be, then superfluous, as it seems, were reason, guiding us to each action, both counselling us to decline from ill deeds, and exhorting us rather to hasten after what is approved, for what benefit, tell me, remains? What advantageth sound reason? If I must surely suffer in advance, even against my will, whithersoever the hour invites, and the season chooses to compel. It is meet, then, as they say that pilots of ships do, when they declare there is no hope of the ship being saved in the peril of the storm, to let go every rope, and undo the very tillers, no more enduring any skill therein, and to commit it to the force of the waves, and to be tossed on the sea. For not, not, from what has been already said, is either the gain to those who desire virtue, nor yet will harm spring up to the workers of evil, unless we receive from God according to each one of the things we have wrought, and receive recompense according to the quality of our actions. For, tell me, will not the hour oftentimes mark out what is most excellent, and the season without distinction profit, even if I be taken in the basest deeds? Again, on the other hand, the season will sometimes appoint not a single good thing to some, but rather will bring, so to say, the hardest of all things, upon those who have aimed at honouring above all things the performance of good deeds. But, haply someone will say, it will be no such thing as this, but the hour and season will give to each what suits him. Therefore the season will now reign over us. We will put about the hours the dignity of providence, having no more thought of God. We will ask by prayer of him not but of the time or the season. And what follows? We shall worship the creature more than the Creator, and blasphemously give the glory of the Creator to things made by him. The disgrace hence accruing, and the magnitude of the blasphemy, we shall see with no great trouble to have abomination more open than that of women who are courtesans. But what comes into our minds, we will say for profit's sake superfluously it appears 
do the laws both of god and man mark out to lovers of wickedness the punishment suitable for them and add honours to those whose special aim it is to desire to live more rightly for if nothing at all lies within our own wills but all is subject to the necessity from the hours which lead us without escape or power of refusal to both good and evil how can we still rightly allow that praise is meet for the good and allot the contrary to those who are not so as their just meet why tell me do the laws compel us to depart from vice and press forward after what is better if others hold the reins of our resolves and easily bring us to whatsoever they please for they say and will have it so that human affairs are under the authority of the hours taking no thought of the absurdity thence resulting for will they not declare even against their will that he whose is the supremacy over all things that are upon the earth will be more wretched than the very brutes and will live in pitiable state and he who ought to excel by reason of his nature will be brought down to the second yea even to the last place for if the beast by their self-ruling impulses turn no one hindering them to what they please and admit what they know to be wholesome and shun what will hurt them and we are in bondage to time that bitter master and have the authority of the hours a tyranny not to be escaped suspended over us like a staff shall not our condition be far worse than theirs is but he will blush as is probable who would fain be for yea rather utter lies against the hours and times which were never created for any such purposes and rejecting the absurdity of such opinions will come forward saying we do not sir declare that the hour nor yet the time or season has authority over the affairs of men but we say that there are evil hours and seasons too which sometimes like raging winds spring upon us miserable but we shall answer o mad in mind and steeped in sheer insanity how is it that ye do not perceive that ye arming your own mind against that essence which is above all for will not he be a worker of iniquity if aught of the things made by him be wicked but this as we have mentioned it before we will pass over and will rather endeavour to be persuaded by you how the hour or season could hurt us or on the contrary rejoice us did not god order all things according to his will and will that they should as belongeth to each give either pain or contrary wise pleasure for we but now heard you say that not of our affairs are under the authority of the hours but that some are by nature evil and are borne violently down upon us like the wind but i do not think it will be any hard matter to show that this your argument is replete with extremist folly for who does not clearly see that the twelve intervals of the hours are meted out some to the day others to the night and that night and day do not come to one man to another not but pervade all things but their evil innate and unavoidably tending thereto is not evil to one 
to another not, nor yet to one perchance, or a second, but rather will bring harm in equal degree upon all, upon whom the interval of night or of day comes. How then does it happen that in a single day or hour one may see one man prosperous and enjoying himself with many jovial companions, so as to go to sumptuous feasts and gather together with much diligence his guests? And others you may clearly see in opposite plight, so that one is often borne forth to die miserably. What, tell me, is the reason, or how is it possible, that in one single hour or period one person is found in the former state, another in the latter? What will you call that hour? Evil, or the reverse? For I cannot say, looking at either side and finding one man reveling, another lying a breathless and miserable corpse. Will not then those opinions respecting the hours be proved an unlearned fable, and the inventions of devilish madness? I think all will agree to this without any hesitation, and will condemn those who hold such opinions. And we might well, I think, be content with what has been said, but lest, by committing everything to hazard and conjecture, I should leave an excuse for quibbling to any, I will betake myself to history, and from facts will confirm past all doubt the already beaten track of our argument. When the Assyrians, then encompassing the holy city, I mean the holy Jerusalem, were purposing to besiege it, their general, Rapsaki, was first endeavouring at one time by words of guile to undermine the minds of the fighting men which were therein, at another thought to do this by threats. And the blessed Hezekiah, who at that time held the kingly power trusted not in his forces, but attributed the achievement of victory to God who is over all. And by most fervent prayer did he keep calling for the alone aid which is from him and immediately did god incline his ear to the righteous man and granted him grace answerable to his prayers for the angel of the lord went forth as it is written and slew out of the camp of the aliens an hundred fourscore and five thousand what then will you say to this o most excellent of men in one night and in the same hour and season the Assyrian fell, overpowered by the angel's hand. The multitude of them of Jerusalem was saved, and the one were in the depths of misery, the other in joy and delight. Where is the power of the hour? How was it apportioned unequally for both? And for the one it wrought rejoicing, for the other an evil death. For you will not venture to call it two-natured and multiform, even though you babble exceedingly. The same argument will hold as to Dathan and Abiram, who having once made a sedition against the authority of Moses, and fearing not unbidden to spring upon the office of the divine priesthood, went down with all their household into the depths of the earth, and they were in Hades, while the rest of the congregation were preserved. But the vengeance surely should not forsooth since it was not at all that of divine wrath but of the hour have burst forth upon one part merely of the assembly 
but should have taken hold on the whole equally let us not then admit that hour or day or season is the giver either of sorrow or joy in respect of its own nature or however one might rightly speak of it but let us grant the profit from the hour or season in contrary wise the damage when we setting to either skilfully or ignorantly meet with results pleasant or otherwise for example to everything a season as it is written and to know the fit times is most useful not to know them replete with damage for in winter one ought not to make voyages to do so in summer is not ill-instructed being thus minded we shall commit the helm of our affairs to god the lord of all for if according to the unlying word of the saviour this little sparrow of no worth shall never fall into a snare without the will of god the father how shall he who is so honoured and has the authority over all suffer aught contrary to his mind or wish unless providence brings upon him any of the things above mentioned in accordance with the life of each i will further add another thing which has been shaken out and come forth of my memory exceeding kin to the present matter yea rather calling for the same investigation though the solution be not hard but most easy to the man of full understanding and that hath the senses of his understanding exercised to discern both good and evil what then is this of which we so speak they of cana inhabiting the country bordering on judea namely galilee were once celebrating a marriage and they invited the lord to their banquet with his mother and the holy disciples and the cause of this their feast was the marriage bed but when sitting at meat with those who with him were assembled for this purpose the lord was there to bless that marriage which he had ordained wine began to fail the company but the mother of the saviour as still having authority over her son by reason of his exceeding subjection and having now learnt by much experience him too that hath god befitting power saith they have no wine for she knew that he would perform and that most easily whatever the nature of things required and the lord said to her woman what have i to do with thee mine hour is not yet come the devout mind then far removed from monstrous opinions and fleeing utterly greek superstition will receive piously what is said for not yet he says is the time of my manifestation that is to say by miracles come for being god by nature he was not ignorant of the time befitting each work how could he but he who of his exceeding senselessness turns about hither and thither for evil is a beaten track to the multitude who suppose as certain triflings say that christ himself also was subject to the operations of the hours will be here proved by us to have no understanding and by those very things by which he looked to strengthen his own argument by these will he be condemned for the inherent absurdity of his tenets for if we grant that the nature of things is subjected to the operations of the hours and that therefore christ said to his mother 
mine hour is not yet come how tell me when according to your abominable and most unwise reasoning he had not yet the operation of the hour to cooperate with his will does he become the creator of the things asked for for forthwith he manifestly turns water into wine but if ye think that affairs must be subject to the authority of the hours how ought not the lord at the first not a whit to have attempted to accomplish what the concourse of the hours did not grant but evidently he took no thought of this but gave them his grace before that time the power of the hour was then no hindrance but since the time was not yet come for his proclamation by miracles does christ say thus we are then set free from your surmises hereon and when hour is mentioned let it be considered to be the time which suits each work and that we too are set free from the necessity of the hours i think needs no more expenditure of words to prove for we have already sufficiently gone through this but we will endeavour to show now that we shall find that hour in the divine scriptures signifies the time suitable to each action and the admirable paul cries out and indicates the meaning of the word hour and that knowing the time that it is the hour for you to awake out of sleep the night is far spent the day hath drawn near thou seest how having first put time he added hour is indicating by the same it and not aught else for it was time that they who lay in the deep sleep of sin should rouse themselves and open their eyes to what was their profit and be raised to a god-loving watchfulness thirty one of the multitude therefore many believed on him and said the christ when he cometh will he do more miracles than those which this man did how great the economy herein and how fitly it hath followed after those things is meet to see for having before said that the jews were seeking to take him and to enclose him by the meshes of their senselessness into so cruel and unseasonably contrived danger he shows the multitudes of them that believe that the ill machinations of their rulers against him may at length be acknowledged so far are the people from desiring to rage against him that they at length even gather some ideas from his miracles and openly confess that they ought to give heed to his doctrines for a report it seems was noised abroad through the whole race of the jews and spread throughout all their country that the presence of christ would be for some mighty deeds and that he would work exceeding miracles and introduce teaching more notable far and superior to the instruction of the law for the woman of samaria when she came to jacob's well to draw water and was conversing with the saviour said we know that messias cometh which is called christ when he is come he will tell us all things and the words we know here we shall not reasonably apply to the woman alone but joining the whole race of samaritans and jews we shall confirm the argument we have just adduced these then now perceiving that the glorious hopes commonly entertained of him 
do not surpass what was already present well nigh speak thus one to another for what hath the law declared that christ should be revealed to us what manner of man hath the word of the holy prophets foretold a worker of miracles plainly and instructor in what is most excellent but we see that he who is now come is wholly pre-eminent unto both what exceedingness in miracles remains for them who conceive of somewhat greater yet in what difficulty has he failed what that is above utterance and miraculous has he not wrought and whom shall we still seek for more let us see whether christ have not at length reached the bounds of all marvel what is looked for in christ which is not apparent in this man shameless now at length is the withholding of our faith senseless our indifference and quite unpersuasive the argument of delay under colour of choosing the best let god be confessed for this the nature of things requires even of those who will it not not unsuitably then nor unbecomingly might one put this in the mouth of the jews we must note however that through the perverseness of the rulers the subjects perished for the one were most admirable guessers led by the renown of his works to the duty of believing on him and only waiting for the judgment of their rulers concerning christ and these were so mighty in savage cruelty as to attempt to ill-treat him who had been foretold for vast hopes and was accredited by what he had already wrought thirty two the chief priests and pharisees heard the people murmuring these things concerning him the multitude are with great reason indignant against their rulers for they were making a great outcry respecting our saviour christ not because he was a wondrous wonder-worker and beyond expectation nor yet because he came telling of things better than the legal worship but because he was not yet accepted by the chief priests and pharisees albeit having glory answerable to what was spoken of christ and no whit inferior to what the common reports tell of him or the word of the holy prophets foreheralded so then they justly accused them of being overcome with envy rather than really caring for the salvation of the people but the constant utterance of blame as to this does not escape the knowledge of the rulers and the multitude it seems gave them offence now reasonably astonished at the lord and thirsting exceedingly to believe on him and already ill-enduring the yoke of the ruler's arrogance and essaying to do that which is said in the psalms let us break their bands asunder and cast away their yoke from us for by not subjecting the mind of the people to the commands of the law but placing them in subjection to their own inventions and teaching for doctrines the commands of men they leaving the right way and beaten track were conducting among precipices and footfalls those who were even now ready to be saved and of themselves were being led to rightness of conception and the chief priests and the pharisees sent officers to take him albeit the law declared 
the innocent and righteous thou shalt not slay and everywhere clearly crieth aloud thou shalt not be with the multitude to do evil the guardians of the law desire to kill overbearing in respect of esteeming moses law holy and accustomed to blame every one who did not live in the same way but caring nothing for the law in these matters and so to say spurning its most precious things they are zealous to take in their meshes him that had done no wrong at all but rather is now by his very works accredited that he is indeed the christ and surely some one will reasonably say these ungodly rulers of the jews ought since they are learned in the divine oracles and skilled in the divine laws rather to speak to the multitudes to turn aside their clamour hereat by reasonable arguments and to thrust aside all suspicions of envy and turn them to think as they should do if in aught they travailing with right surmises about christ seem to have fallen therefrom they ought to have proved by testimonies from the prophets and going in short through the whole divine scripture to have cleansed the multitude from their errors and as knowing more to have taught them clearer truth about christ but finding no defence from thence in fear of the holy scripture as finding that it agreed with the multitude in accusing them they fall into shameless daring and strive to make away with christ not being able to convict him of any offence and most intolerable of all this resolution is that not of chance people but the daring deeds of the chief priest coincident in mind with the pharisees albeit they ought to have led them inasmuch as they were superior through the office of the priesthood and since they had the first place through this they ought to have shown themselves guides in thoughts of good also and to have taken the lead in counsel not counter to god but since they are outside of any good disposition and have cast the divine law behind their own imaginations they are carried to that alone which pleased their own undiscerning impulses for the head has become the tail as it is written for he that is chief follows in consenting to the impiety of the pharisees makes now his unbridled attacks against christ too but without a cause is ever found to be the war of the wicked against the pious and the mode of their contest so to speak halteth unaided by the auxiliaries of reasonable causes and merely hampered by the disease of envy for since they are not able to compete with their mighty deeds nor through equal strength of soul to attain corresponding glory or even by better deeds to be seen in better case they fall into savageness of mind and foolishly arm themselves against the praises of those who surpass them zealous for the destruction of what makes them to be disgraced for evil is ever convicted by juxtaposition with the better for they ought rather to desire by equal actions to equal them and to be zealous rather to do and think the same with those who are praised but it was likely that the pharisees should be bitterly disposed 
for since they perceived that the multitudes were murmuring and even now in common talk one to another saying is not this he whom they seek to kill lo he speaketh boldly and they say nothing unto him do the rulers know that he is the christ repelling again this supposition with the wickedness that was their foster sister they give orders to bind him and send out officers to accomplish this very purpose end of chapter one part one